Hey loves, I'm Marley Liss, and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, and my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. Here, you can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the embodied level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders who work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey, or you're a sex-positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. Let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Hey loves, welcome back to another episode of The Sensual Revolution. I'm so excited for you to hear today's conversation. We have Necca McGregor on with us. This woman is truly, truly one of my greatest role models in this life. She's doing so much amazing work around justice and healing and ending gender-based violence in our world. Um, I wouldn't normally read a long, full-out bio, but she's just done so many epic things that we gotta do it. So, NECA is the executive director of Women at the Center, which is a nonprofit organization created by and for women survivors of gender-based violence globally. NECA is an advocate who works with governments, organizations to transform lives and build violence-free communities. In 2006, she was selected by the Lieutenant Governor of Ontario as one of 13 experts to review services provided to women and children. In 2016, she was appointed by the Canadian government to the Advisory Council on the Federal Strategy Against Gender-Based Violence. Um, She also sits on the Board of Trustees of the Girl Child Network Worldwide. And also, she's an entrepreneur with over 25 years business experience. She is a partner of a conscious capitalism firm that does consulting for gender, equity, diversity, inclusion. Neck and I first connected through our shared passions around alternatives to the punitive system, transformative and restorative justice, and that's definitely something that we talk about in this episode. You're going to hear about activism and actually embodying the peace that we're fighting for. You're going to learn about transformative justice and its roots in black and transgender activism. NECA gets super vulnerable and inspiring AF about her personal journey from victim to activist. We look at how to avoid burnout in doing change-making work. We talk about using anger as a superpower in dismantling systems of white supremacy and misogyny. We talk about canceling cancel culture and upholding standards for equity and inclusion and NECA even goes into her amazing work around helping male-identified perpetrators engage in accountability and shifting away from shame and blame. This is such a powerful conversation. I swear I've listened to it like three times and it just gets more inspiring every single time. 
Um, NECA has such a gorgeous ability to dream and dream big when it comes to reimagining a world of justice and healing. So I'm super excited for this one. Before we dive in, I want to just share that the Sensual Wholeness Academy has officially begun. This is my eight-month group coaching program, and for the first time ever, we have a no-doors-closed policy, which means you can join at any point. So if you're someone who's wanting to receive more support around your own sensual empowerment journey, reclamation after trauma, or healing beyond body shame, if you're wanting to cultivate epic self-love within a global community of like-hearted women, this might be a really gorgeous fit for you. So you can go to the show notes and check out um, the link there, marleylist.com SWA to get the details. You can sign up directly through the page, but you can also book a discovery call. This is a free one-to-one call with myself to receive personalized support and exploring whether the SWA is a fit for you. These are really gorgeous calls. You'll also see the link there in the show notes to book that call. So definitely, definitely always an honor to connect with you all and to support you. Let's get into this episode. And of course, if this inspires you, please do leave a review for us and share this so that we can amplify these amazing messages. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be here with the exquisite, iconic, beautiful Neka McGregor <laughs> and her little cat is in the background doing all the times of modeling poses. If you watch the video, you'll see it. (laughs) Neka, I'm so glad you're here. How are you today? I am awesome. I am awesome. And Marley, I'm so excited to be here as well. It took us a minute to coordinate it, but we're doing it. Yeah, this is this is wonderful. This is really wonderful. I'm so excited. You are such an inspiration to me and so many humans. And I'm just so excited for everyone to hear from you and be inspired and learn some things and have fun as you always do. Um, Who are you? (laughs) Thank you. Tell us, tell us who you are in this chapter of your life. Who is NECA? Wow, that's a huge question. Uh, In this chapter (laughs) of my life, um, uh, I guess I, I start and sort of end everything with a sense of gratitude um, for the people that make me who I am. In this chapter of my life and I start with my my amazing children of whom I have three I call them my three wishes uh, Ali Alexander and Christiana um, they just they are everything they are everything to me everything that I do everything that I am is because of them um, so I, I live in gratitude because of them mm-hmm. who I am is as I said somebody who walked in gratitude um, and I look at the, the trauma, right, that sort of brought me into this work. I, it sounds, it's going to sound very odd, but I, I'm also grateful to that experience hmm. because, because of it, I've been able to do the things that I've done. So who I am today is I, I just, just a simple woman walking in gratitude. That's, that's who I am. Thank you, love. Yay. One of my absolute favorite things about you, Neka, is the way that you, I feel you embody everything you stand and fight for. 
Mm -hmm. Like, I think, I think often there can be this dissonance, like if we're fighting for some major movements and activism and all these things, like sometimes we ourselves lose the the peace that we're fighting for. And I just, you just beam it. Like every time I'm on a call with you, it's just like, I instantly feel I'm on a beach and I'm just like, yeah, we can do hard work and feel amazing as well. I completely agree. And I I really, it's, it's funny, Molly, you're saying this because I was talking about you last week to uh, some survivors. I was delivering training and I was talking about how we transform our trauma into something that transforms the world. And I gave you as an example. So, mm-hmm. you know, everything you're, you're saying about me, I honestly, I honestly feel mm-hmm. an echo about you. So it takes one to know one. Let's put it that way. That, that's what's happening. Thank That's you. Thank happened. you. I love it. Um, give us a little glimpse into, I know you do a lot of things, but give us a little glimpse into what your work is. And if anyone's like never heard of women at the center, transformative justice, all these things, like give us a little window into what it is you do. Yeah. Um, a little window. Or so a window, yeah. Or a well, window. <laughs> well, let, let's, let's just open it and see yeah. what comes out. Um, <laughs> I'm a survivor and I generally lead with that now because part of my own journey is moving away from the shame that society has tried to inculcate into that word, right? Mm-hmm. It's trying to make the, the victims of the crime feel responsible for the violence. And so once I started embracing the fact that I, I have experienced violence and that I was fortunate enough to survive it, my whole worldview shifted Right. And so the worldview that shifted actually led me, it propelled me to get into um, social justice advocacy and activism. And the propulsion ended up with me starting a, a very unique organization. It's the first of its kind in the world that was, it's an incorporated nonprofit that is by and for women and gender diverse survivors of all forms of gender-based violence. Um, And the work we do is really figuring out how to use the lessons that we learned from our lived experiences of violence to bring about healing and to bring about change and to bring about lasting transformative impact. The transformative justice part of the work really, um, I didn't know that I was a transformative justice practitioner when I started this stuff, um, but I, I realized very early on that the criminal legal system that currently exists and is the sort of the one stop, only stop that many people have on their road, I realized pretty early on that that criminal legal system doesn't work for survivors. And I, don't, I know it also doesn't work for um, people who have harmed. And so in 2016, we received some funding from the federal government, um, Department of Women and Gender Equality in Ontario, uh, sorry, in Canada, it's a federal government, to, it was a three-year project for us to find an alternative model of justice for survivors of sexual violence. So we did what we call a kaleidoscope of data, which is a really multifaceted data collecting information gathering activities, again, centered on survivors. Um, We did one-on-one interviews with women who'd been raped and had reported 
Um, we conducted uh, uh, focus groups with women who'd been raped and didn't report. Mm. We attended courts, sexual assault trials, to see you know, whether what we knew, the harmful practices that we knew were happening, we just needed a sort of ethics approved yeah. proof of that. So we attended um, sexual assault trials. We conducted really extensive social media um, reviews, Twitter, watched films, podcast, listened to podcasts to try and understand the social discourse. And this is around the time of Me Too. Mm -hmm. And then we also, um, we also did secondary research to try and see what, what else was out there. What were other communities in other jurisdictions doing? And the one that really, really resonated with us and spoke to what we were hearing from survivors, from our members, was a transformative justice model, which came from, and I always have to give a shout out to the black women predominantly in the, in the United States who were the progenitors, the creators of transformative justice. People like um, um, Mimi Kim, Beth Ritchie, mm -hmm. girl crush, absolute girl crush, mm -hmm. um, and as well as trans, trans uh, activists and disability activists who use transformative justice because again, the criminal legal system is not a safe site, safe space for black women, trans mm -hmm. women, women uh, living with disabilities. So they came up with a, their own model yeah. of community accountability and recognizing that in order to really heal people, in order to stop the violence, we needed to move away from shaming and blaming and finger pointing and shutting down communications, especially with people who have harmed and instead wrapping them with love and kindness and compassion. And all of that, Mali, all of that was like, it was music. It was yeah. music that I'd, I, my heart had been singing. And I thought, of course, this makes sense. So we went about um, incorporating what we'd heard from our own research and came up with a transformative accountability and justice model, which mm -hmm. again is based on wrapping the survivor with love and compassion, as well as wrapping uh, men who have harmed with love and compassion. And people hear this and think, you know, what the fuck are you doing hanging out with yeah. men who I think you, you can't change them. You yeah. can't change anything if you don't bring them into the conversation, if you don't help them understand. Yes. That was a very long way. <laughs> I'm, I'm so here for it. I'm so here for it. And I, I imagine many of the people who listen to this podcast or have been following my work have heard a lot about restorative justice and my own story. And this is a different lineage, a different model, but so closely related. And exactly. we've talked about before, like, the core values of this, like shifting away from shame and blame and into that love and embrace and actual healing and repair yep. and everything. Like this is such, such a part of it. And, and it's just the way you talk about it is so important because it shows that like, this is something that is so grounded in this really beautiful wisdom and healing. And I think yep. a lot of the time, like you're saying, people are like, what now you you want to like sing kumbaya in a circle with the person who harmed you and it's like it's so much it's so much deeper than that and mm -hmm. as you were saying it's like it's an acknowledgement of how the criminal justice system has failed so many especially marginalized communities so yep. 
Thank you for sharing that. I'd love to do a little backtrack and just, I had someone ask me the other day, like they were like, Marley, I read your book, your poetry after sexual violence and like witnessed you in that deep, deep, deep grief. And now I see you like shaking your booty on Instagram and doing all the advocacy stuff. And they were like, that's amazing. And they're like, I want to know more about what happened in between. Mm. And so whatever you're comfortable sharing with us, Neka, like what took you from that place of like dealing with that violence into doing this incredible, epic, fabulous work and embodying this like gorgeous energy that you do now like give us a little glimpse of that in between yeah. or a big one again okay <laughs> big window big window yeah um I think the somebody that had a huge influ influence impact on my life was my dad mm. right so uh we were raised by a single parents my father in England and my mother died when I was like 11 12 and so I, I was raised by this very very grounded he was strict but fair and I, I talk about him as the first feminist in my life mm. even though I, I didn't have the word to name him but I, I subsequently realized that my father was the first feminist that I'd ever met because he believed in equality right and anyway, so when, when at the height of my experience um, with my ex-husband, ex my dad was the one that said to me, don't get into mischief. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you need to do something constructive. Don't, do not get into mischief. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking of what does not mischief look like? <laughs> right? I'm mischief with <laughs> myself. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. And I was actually doing my master's at uh, Osgood Hall. And I came across an, an email that was sent to all the master's students um, from an organization called the Women Abuse Council of Toronto. And their ED, my lovely friend Vivian Green, who was a former ED there, um, they were running a group of survivors that was called the Accountability Committee, a group of survivors that would meet every, uh, every month. But this email was asking for people to come and support them in their court watch. And I thought, oh, I could do that. Mm -hmm. I could mm -hmm. do that. I want to do something. I want to do something that's not mischief. Yeah. So, so I, I sort of signed up for that. And in the process of signing up, Vivian said to me, there is this amazing committee of women survivors. You should join. So I joined. And I started volunteering at the organization. And I, don't, I, I guess it's the red nails and the red lips, which I've, I've always been, I call it war paint right I, I guess that. it's my war paint that um, <laughs> maybe the, the slight English accent everybody people just love that right so yeah every time there was something they wanted to hear from a survivor you know Necker McGregor will get trotted out and I will do my thing and you know march off and the more I did my thing every time I spoke whether it was to the news or at a conference or anywhere I would have Mali would not believe how many other people in the audience would come up to me afterwards to say, oh my God, I'm a survivor. I mm. want to do what you're doing. I, I am a survivor. This is the first time I'm ever admitting it to anybody. I want to, how do I get in touch? How do I get involved? And at the time there wasn't an organization. There wasn't an organization that was by and for survivors. Um, there were organizations that survivors were part of, 
but again, in the way those organizations were structured, we were sort of the, the stepchildren that everybody was embarrassed about or kept in the back of the room, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I started thinking, well, for God's sake, I'm not the only one. I see so many women coming up. We need to do something. We need to mobilize. Yeah. Right? We need to start a movement where we are centered. And so I, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I've never worked for anybody. I looked around and my dad said, it was waiting for you. There mm -hmm. isn't anything because it was waiting for you. So I incorporated the organization in 2008. And we now have over 5,000 members globally. We have chapters everywhere of survivors, you know, doing advocacy and activism, training, peer support in their communities, trying to center, right, the, the experts, because we, the survivors, we're the experts. Mm -hmm. Lord, you respect to everybody else who thinks mm -hmm. that they are. We are the experts. So that's, that's sort of what got me into the work. Why I did it was because, honestly, Mali, I needed a space to breathe it all out. Yeah. Right? I needed a space where I can, I can root myself, plant my feet, and breathe. It is about catching my breath and doing it in company of people who, just like you're doing, right? When you're talking to a survivor, you don't have to say much. Mm. They get it. Mm. They get it. And I didn't, I, I didn't want a space where I would be, again, that shamed and blamed for the violence because it wasn't, it's not my fault. I didn't do anything. And I felt there were, there were really critical messages that survivors needed to tell other survivors critical messages that survivors needed to tell system players, you know, the critical messages that we needed to tell society as to how to make things better and different. So to me, it was a place to park my anger. Let's put it this way. I, <laughs> I need that. a place to park, yeah. to park my anger. Mm -hmm. And the organization was a vehicle that allowed me to do that. And in, in the process, I honestly, it sounds really, really cliche, but in the process, that was where my healing began and has continued. I've never you know, done the counseling stuff. I'm not knocking it, mm -hmm. but I, I've never done it. I just found that the activism, the, the supporting other survivors, engaging with others, that's just beautiful. That to me is where I catch my breath and I, I find my smile. Mm -hmm. right is hanging out with other other people who get it and get me yeah i love you i want to like pick up my computer and like spin you around <laughs> well i want to hug i want to hug you so let's do it virtual it's amazing <laughs> it's amazing it's so inspiring i mm -hmm. first of all i love that your dad was such a gorgeous has such a gorgeous influence of feminism in your life yeah. and i'm sure that some people listening are like, wow, I needed to hear that, that that exists. So yeah. yay for your dad, love to your dad. Um, and just so inspiring. And in my own unique way, I feel you. Like I remember for me, it started with writing. And I remember having this thought of, I need to put all these destructive thoughts somewhere other than my head. So I'll put them on paper. Yeah. And it is such a powerful reclamation and I actually love this because I know that so many people that I'm connected with 
almost kind of separate our healing from our impact. There's almost this idea mm. like I can't make impact until I'm healed. But so often the healing comes through the impact. So like what, what has been really gorgeous and empowering? Like what is the most rewarding part of what you do? And I imagine sometimes there's a lot of like challenge and intensity and trauma, mm -hmm. but I would, I would love to hear like, what has been gorgeous about this? Honestly, I would say that there's been more gorgeous than not. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I don't think I could wake up in the morning and have a smile on my face, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that the, you're absolutely right around, you know, um, people who think that there is a point in time where you're healed and now you can start. There isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There isn't. And anytime you feel you're ready, you are. Mm -hmm. Right. So for me, I felt I was ready in the thick of it. I was we were we were in um, criminal courts. Right. My children and I had to testify mm -hmm. to the, the last assault. So we were in criminal court. We were in family court at the same time because the divorce was happening, child support, custody, equalization, all that stuff. And we were in civil court all at the same time because of ownership of, of the, the company that we were running. So I was dealing with, you know, each one on its own is huge, but three at the same time and then raising three little kids, right? 15, 10 and five and not having money and all my families in England and not having sort of that immediate support. It was a lot, but I, I, and I had some people you know, in the sector, in the gender-based violence sector, say to me, oh, you know, wait, wait until it's all done. I'm thinking, well, what the fuck am I waiting for? Mm -hmm. I, I, don't, I don't have time. I don't have time to wait because as I'm waiting, women and children are dying. Yeah. As I'm waiting, you know, women are being sexually assaulted. As I'm waiting for my healing, shit is still hitting fans, right? So I, I didn't have the time or the luxury to sit and sort of navel gaze, you know, internalize it and think about, no, I didn't have time for that. And so I think about the impact, how many women, it's like each, each, each woman that I have met is, is like a ripple, mm. right? it's like a, a, a pebble you drop in the ocean and then the ripples, the waves of it. So mm -hmm. I touch one woman, I say something, it re resonates with one person, but it doesn't end with that one person because if it, the positivity that comes from it then ripples to beyond her, to her friends, her family, her community. So I, I think about that impact that for every one person I reach, I'm actually touching multiple human beings. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think, and it isn't a vanity project because as you know, this work is hard. Mm -hmm. It isn't a vanity project at all, but it's, it is so rewarding to know that and I'm doing something with my time on this earth, something that is constructive and I, I've managed, and it's personal, I've managed to create something where when I go to sleep, I sleep like a baby, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Despite, all of the, you know, you, I know that it's still going on, 
but I know that I'm doing something. I am having a positive impact on it. And so mm -hmm. I love the question. I really love the question because if I hadn't thought about that, right, the ripple effect and the, the impact that I'm having, I think I would become despondent. Mm -hmm. I, I, would, I would, you know, sit and question what, what's the purpose? Why is it all? Why is it all? I, I sit on um, the Ontario Domestic Violence Death Review Committee mm. that looks at femicides, right? Well, homicides, but usually it's uh, the killing of the woman by right. an intimate partner. And I'm also part of the Canadian Femicide Observatory for Justice and Accountability. So I'm giving shout out to both organizations, rocking work. Um, but the focus is on the women who did not survive. Right. And so I start off by saying I walk in gratitude. I am so profoundly grateful to the goddesses that I, I survived. And so I feel this obligation mm -hmm. to do something with my life that can impact. Mic drop. <laughs> Just <Whatever>. mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It it is so profound. And I I feel I feel with your organization and the reason like you shared this gorgeous, gorgeous explanation of the work you do, transformative justice. And when I said like I want to reel it back because I feel such a clear thing with your organization, the work you do of like, it comes literally right from your heart, like right from Mecca's heart right here, right now. So I was like, walk us through that whole, like, like, uh, so, so silly, but like Care Bear beaming the heart beam out, like into the world, like what, <laughs> walk us through each piece of that. So it's just, it's so inspiring. And I also think it's so vastly different from the burnout that we see so often in the space of social work and this is yeah. something like I was disheartened by that pretty quickly and I, I kind of retracted from that world for a while because I was like on average five-year burnout rate for people who are wanting to make the world more safe and and loving like why does it have to be that way and and you show us and you tell us and you act and like with your work, you demonstrate that, that it really doesn't, like you are fulfilled by this. Yeah. 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 I, gotta, I gotta tell you that um, I'm really glad you raised that thing about burnout and, and coming from the heart. One of, a colleague of mine was talking about social justice work. Um, and she was actually talking about it in the context of working uh, for, doing initiatives that centers black women, as an example. So she, she said that it's heart work, not hard work. Mm. And I thought, holy shit, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Because that's how I feel. And I tell my staff, I tell our placement students, I tell the volunteers, I tell our members, that the, to me, leading with kindness and compassion is the only way to do this work actually the only way to do any work whether you're making widgets or you're doing you know brain surgery leading with love and kindness and compassion and it starts with love and kindness and compassion for yourself mm. right and and being good and gentle to yourself 
because if you're not, then it's going to be pretty difficult to be good and gentle to other people. Mm-hmm. So I, I start, it's a, it's a personal journey, right? And then once you're good and kind and loving and compassionate to yourself, it becomes easier to give it, right? Mm-hmm. To give it out. And I tell my team that the reason why, and you, 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 met, you met them when you came, you and your lovely mum mm-hmm. came, the, the level of laughter and sisterhood and camaraderie that we walk with, wine is also a very good thing. That <laughs> and you also had cake. You also had, had cake, cake and table. popcorn. Yeah. Yes. And popcorn and popcorn. <laughs> All of that stuff is nourishing. But it, it is about coming into a space where you can feel genuine sisterhood and that people around you have got you. Right. And it and it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to make mistakes. We all make mistakes, but nobody's going to throw you away, mm-hmm. right? Because you made a mistake. And it's the same philosophy around the transformative justice. We don't throw people away because you know, none of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. And if we want people to see us and really see us as fellow human beings on the earth, we need to be seeable, right? By showing your love. So yeah, I, I think why I haven't burnt out is because I don't, I don't walk with anger towards people. I, I walk with anger towards the system, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I think the system sucks. Yeah. I think the system, you know, especially white supremacy and misogyny is hostile and toxic to everybody, including white cis men who generally Mm -hmm. are, it's it's toxic to everybody. So I'm angry at the system and I use my anger to be subversive and get in there and uproot shit. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, anger can be such a superpower. I think it is. That, yeah, such a superpower. I think women especially were taught like, don't do that anger thing, you know, like keep it in whatever. And it is, it can be the healthiest thing for our world. I love it. In this way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you said something about, um, well, you said many beautiful things about not throwing people away. And it made me think of, and this is really the same as the punitive system, it made me think of cancel culture and how many people are afraid to speak up and to do some really beautiful heart work in the world, love that term so much, um, because they're like, I could get it wrong. And I just, I see the parallels. I'm like, well, that's just the punitive system on social media. So what, I mean, what would you say to, to anyone who's like afraid to speak up because of cancel or punitive culture? Yeah, I, um, my other life, the other part of the work I do is yeah. um, I run a consultancy and that sort of does equity, diversity and inclusion work. Right? Mm-hmm. And myself and my associates and the partners in the firm are predominantly black women, but BIPOC um, consultants. And I can tell you that in the last year, right? So since the murder of George Floyd Mm -hmm. and there was the Black Lives Matter movement and organizations were scrambling to put out posts, you know, supporting Black Lives. And some of it was performative, 
right? And some of it was genuine. One of the things that you know, we, we've been talking about is precisely that, the fear of saying something or doing something and getting it wrong and then people calling you out. So in, in that work, as well as in this gender-based violence work, my whole thing is I would rather engage in conversations with people. Tell me, tell me what you, you, you think, tell me what you feel, and then we can talk about it. Come into the space, into the conversation with a genuine, you know, um, from a place of good faith. Right, and I will meet. We will meet on that good faith arena, and we will discuss. And if I, if you say something that is problematic, I have no interest in you know calling names because that doesn't get anybody anywhere. Right, it just shuts people down. So I am not a fan of that practice at all. Mm -hmm. I am a fan of accountability. Mm -hmm. I think that's that's huge. So if you do say something that is inappropriate and somebody is explaining to you, you know, be big and own it, mm -hmm. own it. But people should not be silencing because that, that silence in, in the silence is where the bigotry resides, mm. right? If we don't get to talk about it, if we don't shine the light on it, people never learn, people never grow. So shine the light, say it, and then we'll talk. And through that human exchange, I think that's how I know that's how change happens. That's how lives are transformed through mm -hmm. that exchange. So, yeah, I, it's a long way to say I don't believe in cancel culture. Yeah, yeah. Cancel, cancel culture. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I, so. I like, we should hashtag that. Yes. <laughs> get some t-shirts yeah I, I, I feel that so much and uh, I'm just I feel in that that there's space to be imperfect and I could be wrong but I think that humans are not 100% perfect 100% of the time and <laughs> I think that the expectation to be 100% perfect 100% of the time is so harmful okay. and I just I just really appreciate that the love that it takes to say like come come to the table show up bring who you are and we'll approach this with respect and care and that ownership can you define accountability for us in in the way that you define it I feel like a lot of the times for example when I talk about my own case with restorative justice and I say you know we didn't go to criminal trial we did an accountability process a lot of people say oh so he got off on nothing and I, I think there's such a, a lack of understanding around yeah. that word so yeah, yeah you can share a bit I think accountability is to me on par with the notion of accountability is equal to that of justice for me yeah. because to be accountable means an acknowledgement of the harm that you caused. The intent is, this is interesting, I should write a thesis on this. Your intent is irrelevant, right? In, to me, in the transformative uh, justice process. In the criminal legal process, intent is 
central, right? right, right. Um, but in transformative, what you intended is not at the crux, it's not at the heart, it's the outcome, right? It's the harm that, that, was, uh, that was done. So we've, uh, there have been processes where the individual that caused harm will say, well, I didn't mean it, mm -hmm. or I didn't know, and she didn't say no. And all of that might be true. All of that, you know, we give them the benefit. It might be true, but that's not what is at heart at the issue. What we're here to do is for you to see this person who, to whom your actions, whether you meant it or not, your actions resulted in deep harm. So what we want you to do, what accountability looks like, is for you to stop and listen and hear, you know, what that action, those actions of yours actually did to this individual and how that individual is now moving through the world as a result of your actions, whether you meant to harm or not. The fact is the outcome has been harmful. So accountability is somebody who stops running away from acknowledging that their actions have caused harm onto somebody else. That's number one. Secondly, accountability looks like somebody who um, accepts, so you acknowledge and then you accept that because of me, I did something that harmed or hurt this person. Mm -hmm. That's the second part is acknowledgement. And then the third part is um, a sense of ownership right, that I'm going to take responsibility and then commit that going forward, I will do my bloody best not to do that thing again to anybody, anybody. So it's a process. Accountability is not a one-stop, you know, endpoint. It's a process mm -hmm. that somebody who has who is caused harm goes through, navigates, in order to come to this sort of aha moment and that aha moment when when they get it when they acknowledge it it is actually the most liberating it is a liberation for them it's a freeing it's a freedom for them and helping and the work we do predominantly is about male perpetrators men who have harmed and the the victims of the crime are um, overwhelmingly women mm -hmm. I, i'm not saying that women don't harm, mm -hmm. but overwhelmingly in our line of work, the, the aggressor is male identified and the survivor is overwhelmingly again, um, woman identified. So in, in, that, in that realm, in that space, our work is um, helping men mm -hmm. engage in these conversations. Also, well, not also, but just under, from an understanding that we are not here to blame them, number one, for all the wrongs in the world. We're not here to shame them into anything, but we just want to engage them because we understand that the process will bring healing to them, that hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. Recognize that for a lot of the men who use violence, they themselves have experienced trauma and violence and don't have a way to deal with it. So they, you know, lash out on others. So we want to interrupt and account, 
accountability is the process of interrupting that continuation, that cycle of violence. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so powerful. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir. Mali, you know this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's so, so bloody powerful. Yeah. It's, it's life-changing work. And I remember having this moment where I realized, like, okay, this, this violence, s- similar to what you're saying, or same as what you're saying, Nanda, like, this violence, in a way, changed your life. From, survive, from victim to survivor to activist. And we hear that all the time, that those who are harmed, we take our pain and we turn it into epic purpose. And we have this <laughs> empire of change and inspiration and that. hope and healing. And I remember having this moment of, oh, if this trauma could be the catalyst that changes my life, it can be the, the perpetrator, the person who caused harm, can it be their catalyst as well? Beautiful. And I saw that. I don't. To, I wish I knew more about what that outcome of that was, or the ongoing outcome. But I saw that in that moment, and I was like, "This makes so much sense." Yeah. It's this huge. What's the word? Cataclysmic. I don't even yeah. know what that means. That is perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it just it changes things, and and I love, I love the way that you explained it, and I think so many times it's so far out of what we've been taught with the criminal justice you're good, you're bad, you did this, you go to prison, that it's so hard for people to wrap their heads around. But the way you explain it, it makes so much sense. And I think back to the example that we were talking about of cancel culture and what it takes for someone to own it. And if someone says something problematic in the room and they own it and they go through a process of education and accountability and transformation, that's going to be much better for everyone than if you said go sit in the corner for 30 minutes and come back later like what changed (laughs) nothing (laughs) absolutely subtle has changed. nothing Nothing. yes yes okay so I this stayed with me so much Neka something you said when we were on the amazing meetings that you created arranged for the national action plan to end gender-based violence which I was honored AF to be a part of um something you asked I won't get the exact wording but it was something like if you had a wand and you could Mm -hmm. like create your vision of the world you know what would you do what would it be what would it look like which was so freaking beautiful so (laughs) this is a massive massive question but what would your vision of the world be NECA what would you do with that wand wow it's easy to ask the question. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. <laughs> so, so much easier. Um, I think, and it, it, it actually, Mali, honestly, goes back to why I, I, I do the work, why I, why I started doing the work, why I continue. It's because of my kids, mm-hmm. who I'm really excited about the possible, you know, the the grandchildren that's going to be coming any minute now. I hope my son, Alexander will watch this and roll his eyes because he will think I'm talking to him and his beautiful, brilliant wife, Ellen. But I'm just talking about grandkids in general, not just mine, but others. It's about generational impact. So if magic wands were being waved, what I would want to see is a world where my daughters, my daughter-in-law, my granddaughters, my grandsons, my grand gender diverse 
offsprings, mm-hmm. generations. For them, this is this is like a history lesson. It, it will be similar to conversations of, did you know there was a time when people thought the earth was flat? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I want... I want that to be the world that my grandchildren are born into, where violence against women, violence against trans women, violence against violence in general, right? That's based on how you associate, you identify um, on the gender spectrum. That is a thing of the past. The, the one would also extend to the you know, the, the whole racism and our, our tagline, Women at the Center's tagline is transforming our lives and eradicating uh, violence against, or gender-based violence, violence against women. I've had conversations with people who said, that word eradicate, you know, you need to, you need to get rid of it. You need to use words like reduce or lessen mm. violence against women. Mm. Me, that's my magic wand. Wave the wand and it, it is eradicated. And eradicate is, I chose it deliberately, right? Yeah. It, it's from the, the Latin eradicare, which is to pull shit from its root, pull it from its root. Mm. So my magic wand is this pulling from the roots of society, violence, so that it, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, are not, you know, experiencing the trauma that comes from it. And in order for that to happen, I mean, there's no magic wand, but there's, there are superpowers. You said it, that we all have superpowers. So mm-hmm. in the interim, we must all use our superpowers to create that world. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing. Yes, like my heart is so happy listening oh. to that. And I, I feel my younger self in listening to that because oh. there's like, I do, because there's like this beautiful, sparkly-eyed courage to dream and hope and vision. And I think for so many people, like people tell you, eradicate too big, too much, impossible, lower the goal. No, it's not. And you're saying, no, this is what I want. This is what we all deserve. Um, And I just think like, I'm, I'm just so grateful that everyone who's listening to this, including myself, like gets to hear that because it's so more than refreshing it's like it's like pouring water into all these like dehydrated people that are just like oh I needed I needed to dream like that so thank you for holding that throughout your life my my pleasure and and again it I it would be really conceited of me to sort of present as if I I I do this alone I don't Mm -hmm. I couldn't I could not have done one tenth of this by myself and so mm-hmm. you know I, I started talking about walking in gratitude I constantly constantly am giving gratitude to people who who hold me yeah right I, I talk about my kids my staff are fucking amazing yes absolutely spectacular it's like it's it's bigger than a community it's family mm-hmm. right and I couldn't, have, I couldn't do this work without them. We are constantly, constantly blessed with placement students who are so thoughtful. And again, so it's like you attract, this is what you attract, mm-hmm. right? So, and then 
the, the uh, people, organizations, but specific individuals in, in organizations in this gender-based violence sector, there are some of them who are just, you know, I talk about girl crush material, amazing, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I know that to create that world, you need many of us, so many of us. And I'm just grateful that there are so many of us doing yeah. this work. And, and you, my lovely, you know, uh, people don't know this. And I, I don't think I told you this. Do you know how I found you? I don't know. I, I kind of, no, I don't. I don't think I do. Yeah. So, <laughs> My, my first wish, my, my eldest, Ali, um, one Saturday morning, about two years ago, sent me an email of uh, an article. I think you were in McLean's. I think it was a McLean's one. Mm. You, had, you, you were speaking about your experience and she read it and then sent me an email saying, you need to connect with this young woman. And so I thought, oh, <laughs> it's Saturday morning. Can we wait until you know, Saturday afternoon? Like, <laughs> yeah. But you know, I read it and I thought, holy shit, she is amazing. Mm. And if you go back to uh, the email that I sent you, there was an email that I sent and I, I think I said, you know, I think you're fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and we need to get together because I, I want to support. I want to know what you need, mm. right? In order to amplify your voice and, and your experience. So yeah, you 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 know you're you're talking about other people and the mark that they are leaving in the world, but you, young mm. woman, are spectacular. Girl crush material again. Oh. Girl crush. Because <laughs> all you. all the stuff that you you know were saying about the the kindness and it emanates from you. It radiates, mm. and I think that's that's why you are doing so well is because you are genuine mm. and it, it comes across so i see you <laughs> I, I see you thank you neka oh, again i'm like are... i want to spin my computer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i do thank you, thank you i'm so excited to hang out in person soon and like this oh, has yeah. been the best this has been the best i know that people listening are deeply moved and educated and empowered and inspired. And how can they connect with you? How can they support your work or even like get involved? Yeah, anything you wanna share like that? Yeah, um, so I, I should tweet more. I do have a Twitter and I don't tweet as often as I, I should, much to my, uh, anyway, my team, get, <laughs> they get on my, asked about this all the time so they can find me on twitter at neka mcgregor um our website is womenatthecenter.com w-o-m-e-n-a-t-t-h-e-c-e-n-t-r-e womenatthecenter.com um go to our website you'll see you know the work that we, we've done in the past we've been involved in research really innovative relevant research so for example we did the first the only um, research on strangulation, women survivors' experiences of non-fatal strangulation. We're doing incredible work with researchers out of University of Toronto, Dr. Angela Colantonio, Helena Hag, shout out, girl crushes, on <laughs> the intersection of uh, brain injury, traumatic brain injury, and again, mm. intimate partner violence, because people aren't talking about that. 
we talk about sports players, but right, women right. survivors experience it more. Um, so yeah, go to our website, you'll find the stuff that we've been engaged in, um, we've done. We, and then there's, you know, just Google. You'll find all sorts of shit on Google, <laughs> but you'll, you'll also find, you'll also find some of the stuff, you know, that, that, uh, that I've done. But yeah, I, I think it's important. I don't actually like the limelight, to be very, very honest. Hmm. despite again the red lips and the red nails people wouldn't know that because I think <laughs> I think the work the work should speak for itself but I do these things because it's important to amplify the work but yeah just or email me neka at women at the center dot com yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, amazing I'm, I will respond beautiful I'm going to drop all those links in the show notes so people can find it super easily and again, Neka, you are such a light and I love you. And I, yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful to exist in this world at the same time and um, to, be, to benefit from the incredible work that you also, okay, and myself and so many people, yes, yes, so, so, yes, so many yes, people yes. are doing and have been doing and will continue to do. And like you said, maybe none of this work will be needed. We'll all just be like hanging out dancing yeah. i'm having, here for that having a good time yeah i'm here for all of that i'm here for all of that thank you thank so you. very much for having me yeah it's a pleasure it's been a blast yeah it has been a blast thank you everyone for listening Love. thank you so much for listening to another episode of the central revolution how amazing is NECA? please go ahead and check out women at the center in the show notes Definitely check out the Sensual Wholeness Academy if you're feeling called to reclaim your own sensual empowerment, body love, empowered voice around boundaries and naming desires and all of these beautiful things. Also, if you're looking for your people in this world, community is so important and you're not alone in this journey. So that's what the Academy is all about. Check out the details in the show notes and book a one-to-one call if you want some more personalized support in deciding if this is right for you. Sending you all so much love. Please do leave a review for this podcast and share it if it resonated with you. And I can't wait for you to hear next week's episode. 